0: We began the PEDEK talking about the judges in Yerushalayim and how they would be paid from Tirumat HaLishka, from the collection of Machasita HaShekel, from the Bet HaMikdash. And because these judges were paid by communal funds, then they could remain objective, and that's much better than being paid from by, by the litigants. By one litigant, certainly, that would be totally a bribe. But even by both litigants still not the best idea and so now that we've t- spoken about this job of being a judge should be paid by communal funds we're going to mention a few other uh, uh, jobs that were for holy purpose uh, higher goals that also uh, would be paid for by communal funds from the Bet Uh But first we're just going to go back to one pasuk that we quoted regarding a man who brought a basket of fish to a rabbi and he called it, uh, teru- called it Bikurim. And why did he call it Bikurim? Because after all look at remember that man who came to Elisha and he brought lechem uh, bikurim lechem seorim he brought uh, some bread it calls it of bikurim even though Elisha was not a was not a kohen and so the the word bikurim here is not official bikurim but a gift that one brings to an important person can still be called bikurim and that was made up of 20 loaves and also fresh Ears of corn and the, these words lechem Bikurim itself uh, is we're going to see in a second is another item. So the twenty, the twenty plus this one here and the one after is twenty two items altogether. Since we quoted this pasuk, we're going to bring another agada um, that also mentions this pasuk. So that's what we begin with. derav Yosef, Hava Ritcha. In the years of Rav Yosef, um, God was angry. People did uh, some sin. Amri led a banan Yosef, and God brought uh, a hunger to uh to those to this this community and um, Bavel. And then the rabbi said to Rav Yosef, uh, the, the 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 chief rabbi, Libaye Mordechai, please pray for mercy to stop this famine. Amadu hashtau ma'lish adachi havura banan mi patere mi kameh havu peshetere alfan Umatan matan rabanan bedran ditzchal lava ba erachameh ana ibaye Rav Yosef basically says, how can I pray now? It's a time of divine anger, right? You could see from the famine that God is angry. I don't think it's going to help if I'm going to pray for mercy. And how does he know that this is not going to be useful activity? Look at, he says, look at Elisha. Elisha was so much greater than me. When Elisha would would teach in public, he would have thousands of people, students would come uh, to his Shi'urim. And when they left, uh, they left behind 2,200 sages that remained with Elisha. We're talking here about a kind of patronage system where uh, the, 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 the teacher not only taught students but also would take care of many of his students. They might live with him or, uh, or nearby and he would take care of their uh, food and needs. Um, And so while there were so there were two groups of students, like commuter students, they would come for this year, then go back home. And the students that actually um, lived under the teacher. So Elisha was so great that 2200 were the ones that remained behind and that he uh, he directly took care of and that's besides all the ones that were the commuter students. So he had a huge number of students, and yet when it was a time of anger, Elisha didn't pray. Me, I have much less, many less students. I'm not as great as Elisha, so how can I pray? All right, that's the story. And now, How does he know? Uh, how did yourself here know that Elisha had twenty-two hundred students that depended on him for their food? From the continuation of that pasuk that we just quoted, he says, Oh, here, there's a hundred. Here, here's uh, twenty loaves. And his servant says, how can these 20 loaves feed a hundred people? Now we ask, If you're talking about 20 loaves of bread for a hundred people, well, that's, not so, that's a lot of food, especially during a time of famine. Um, So every uh, five people will share a loaf. All right, that's a a significant amount of food. So what was he complaining about? Rather, must be, he meant that each loaf is going to have to feed 100 people. And altogether, there were uh, 20 loaves. Plus, there were the two other items mentioned in the pasuk, so 22 of these uh, things altogether, 22 loaves altogether, um, and each one is for 100 people. That's how we know that there were 2,200 students that were dependent on Elisha. Okay, um, good. Now uh, now that we mention this uh, fact that he had so many students, we're going to mention other sages. When the sages would leave the school of Rav, they finished the Shi'ur and the commuter students would go back home. Uh, same number as Elisha, 2,200 would, would remain. So this is Rav. The following list is going to actually be a really important list if you ever want to remember the generations of the various uh, Amoraim. Um, you should remember all the names in this story. These are great representatives of the top. Amora or couple of Amoraim in each uh, gener- in each uh, generation in Bavel. So Rav is the first generation. He's the greatest. He had twenty two hundred. Mibe Ravuna. is the student of Rav. You always have uh, say right. Uh, Rav, uh, Ravuna said in the name of Rav. He had only 800 students that remained behind, so not as great as Rav, but still a significant number. Uh, Rav Huna, in fact, had so many students in the lesson that he needed 13 public speakers. In those days, the rabbi would sit down and speak quietly. It wasn't um, it was considered honorable for the, for, the, for the one person giving the lecture to have to scream. They didn't have microphones or anything. And so he would sit quietly and he had a person with a loud voice who were themselves uh, uh, you know, a student uh, a high level student that would um, listen to what the rabbi had to say and then repeat it in a louder voice, sometimes elaborate on it also. So there were so many people in Avonaz uh, Shi'ur that one was not enough. He needed 13 and they would relay to each other. One would say it and the other one would hear it and say it to the next group that were farther farther away. Uh, this reminds me nowadays in some uh, big colleges there's these huge lectures with a thousand students in it and the professor needs you know 20 or 30 teaching assistants just to go and grade all the essays and have recitations with the students. So that's how many people there were Need the 13 of these human loudspeakers and when they finished the session and the rabbis got up from the from the lecture they, uh, they would uh, dust off their cloaks from after sitting for a while and the dust cloud would rise up and block out the Sun. That's how many people there were that you can have even uh, 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 see this big dust cloud. Uh, and block it out, um, uh, uh, block out the sun. Uh, and even in the West, in Eretz Israel, they could see that dust cloud. That's how big it was. And when they saw it, they would say, Oh, I guess Rav Hunaz Shi'ur just finished. That's why there's all that dust and they, you know, it's blocking out the sunlight. Okay, fantastic. Now we go to the third generation. Rabba and Rav Yosef, and when they finished their shiur and the commuter students went, went home, there would be left 400 that would live with and were dependent on, this, on these two sages. And they called themselves orphans because, compared to the previous generation, they were so few. And so when the sages would leave, from the house or the school of Abaye, so Abaye now is already the fourth generation and some say it's Rapapa, Papa, he's the fifth generation and some say, we're actually we're talking about Abashe, he's in the sixth generation Havu Matan Rabbanan, so whoever it is, there was only 200 sages that were remained behind then Vekalud Nafshayhu, Yatmeh and they call themselves orphans of orphans because it was so few, so here's a Yiridat um, Hadarot Um, of fewer students as they went along. But once again, a good way to remember the generations. Okay, now we go back to our subject. Since we mentioned that judges would get their salaries from the Beta Mikdash, from the Machasita Shekel, also, those the inspectors of blemishes, an animal brought for a Korban has to be free of blemishes. You need an expert to come and check to make sure. And they, you can't, they, the person bringing the korban can't pay them because then that would also be um, uh, a cloud their judgment. And so instead, they would be paid from the Machasita Shekel funds. The Lishka is the chamber where the Machasita Shekel was collected says the sages that would teach the laws of shechita to the kohanim they would also get paid from Halishka. this is really interesting that the kohanim don't know it themselves you need the rabbis to teach the kohanim the right way to do it um okay so Uh, That's, you know, that's just a a side point that's showing that the rabbis are the ones that are in charge, know the halakha, and the Qanim, they're functionaries, they do it, right, but they are dependent on, on rabbinic knowledge. Um, I think this is um, an expression of the shift of balance after the destruction, of the Mikdash, the religious leadership, going from Kohanim to to sages. Not only regarding shechita, which actually you know was done outside the Beit Hamikdash too, but kmitza, uh, when you have to pick up a handful of flour with three fingers worth of the flour, and then you even it out with the out, out of two fingers, the exact details I've had to do that. Also, the rabbis would be teaching the Kohanim. Those teachers would collect their salary from Tirumat HaLishka. Um, so Amar Rabbi Yochanan So all adds that also the proofreaders of the Torah scrolls, the scribes that would go around and make sure that all of the, the holy scripture scrolls of scripture were correct and have mistakes, they were also paid for from HaLishka. T- from the Machasita Shekel funds. Uh, the woman who were weaving the curtains for the Beta Mikdash, the, the parochet specifically, that would separate the Kodesh from Kodesh Kodashim, uh, so the woman that worked on weaving that, uh, that they also got their, um, uh, their uh, salary from the Turmat Halishka. That is what Rav Nachman said in the name of Rav. Although Rav Nachman himself disagreed. I say that actually they should be paid from a different fund. Bede Bedekabait be be is a money that would be donated for the building and upkeep of the Beit Hamikdash. If someone would donate, you know, the worth of uh, themselves, for example. Um, that would normally go to the kabait So then, since that is for the the structure and upkeep of the structure, so he says these curtains are part of the structure of the Betamikdash and therefore it should be given done by bed. It should be for kabait funds and not machasita shekel funds. Machasita shekel funds are mainly for public offerings like the korban tamid, and so other things that would go along with that. When there was surplus, the surplus was used for other things. So Rav Nachman says is part of the Building structure and therefore it should be used for that. Question: Me Tibet, we have a challenge too. Rav Nachman, who said we pay for the curtains from the building fund. Bedekabait, look at this. Butainta, however, nashim ha'urgot ba'parocheh u'bet gadmu amase lechem apanim u'bet abtinas amase ketoret. Kulan lot secharan mitrumat halishka. So the following people all get their wages from tumat halishka amachasit shekel. And the first item on the list includes women who were weaving the curtains. It also includes the people of gadmu. the how this family of Gadmu? They were experts in making the lechem apanim, the twelve loaves that were in a special shape uh, like this. Uh, so they knew the secret recipe of how to make those twelve loaves, and also the family that would make of Avtinas that knew how to make the ketoret. They knew the secret recipe of how to make the ketoret. Um, they uh, needed deserved to get a salary for their work, and they would all get it from the machasita shekel. So look, at this Baraita says that the woman that were making the curtains would get it from uh, from machazita shekel agreeing with rav and that is against rav nachman so rav nachman how would you explain this Baraita? and rav nachman could say hatam bid badat Baraita is talking about not the curtain in the betam within the betam mikdash that separating the Kodesh and Kodeshim, not the parochet but rather the outer curtains of the gates those were not part of the structure, and therefore um, would be uh, we, we would be paid for by Tzomata not by Bedek As we see, there were lots of different gates. Right? There were a lot of different curtains. Thirteen of them in the second Bet Miktashibah. Seven of the curtains were behind the seven gates. These outer gates of the the entrance gates. So those were all just for decorative purposes. Uh, because you actually have a gate there. And uh, therefore, those, because they were decorative, could not be paid for by the Beda That's the maintenance for the building itself. But rather, those were for tirmata, uh, tirmata, Those were from Tremata That's what the Braita was talking about. But the other gate, the other ones, the one that Rav Nachman was talking about was the Parochet itself. That was essential. Uh, part and in fact, in the first Bet Hamikdash, there was a wall there. But the second Bet Hamikdash, it was too high; to, uh, the 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 ceiling was too high to have a physical wall, and that's why they used a curtain. But the curtain in inside the Kodesh is in fact a structural part of it, and that's why he says Bet Hakabai. Okay, here are the other curtains: Echad olam, one in the entrance to the sanctuary, one to the entrance hall. Shanaim Batavir two within the partition. Shanaim kenegdan baaliyah, so within the the Kodesh Kodashim uh, uh, area and the uh, above in the upper chamber also had two curtains, and so that's how we answer for Rav Nachman. Back to the list. Also, women who would raise their sons for Pada Aduma, they would get their uh, their funding. From This is talking about that Paraduma Duma had to be prepared uh, in Betahara. Um, there was big machoket about the people that prepared the paradumah, Duma, whether they have to be 100% tahor or they could be a tevul yom, means that they touched shedetz uh, or something during the day, went to the mikveh already, but the sun didn't set yet. The rabbis slash Pharisees thought that that was fine. The, fa- the Sadducees said no. And so the rabbis went out of their way to get a kohen, make him tameh by touching a dead rodent, and then uh, go to the mikveh and, and do the paraduma before sunset just to show that it's permitted and, uh, and annoy and polemicize against the Sadducees. Because they allowed that leniency, they don't want people to take it too lightly, the whole duma. so therefore, they added a whole stringency to it, and the stringency is that when they prepare it, they want to make sure that the person that goes and gathers the water for it Will be for sure that he was never became tamehmet at all. So they have a, mo- a mother, a pregnant woman, come and live in a courtyard on top of bedrock, and on the bedrock is a platform. So we're sure that there's no tumatmet there. They would give birth to the child, raise the child within the courtyard their whole lives until they're like seven, eight years old, and so we know for sure that this kid is not tameh. And then that kid would go and uh, and gather the water. Okay, all that. Um, uh, as uh, as uh, as a whole, a very interesting and part of Masechet Mishnah, Mishnah Masechet Para. But anyway, these women who they, you know, how are they going to fund raising these these uh, kids for Paraduma from Tzur Matadishka? Abba Shaul, um, however, uh, says, no, it was not from the temple funds, but rather uh, um, a wealthy woman in Jerusalem. They would feed um, and provide for the women who were raising their children to help to prepare the Pada. aduma. So not from, uh, I guess, you know, they, they like to do that, that they get a hand in uh, helping these other women and uh, thereby allowing for to be um, to be done properly. Okay. Rav Huna Merav. A question: Rav asked his teacher, Rav. Regarding the, the 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 temple vessels, gold and silver vessels that were used as part of the korbanot and menachot. What source of funds can we uh, um, take from in order to pay for these temple vessels? Here's the two sides. Sorech mikotcheh are the these vessels are they needed for the mizbeach? They actually are uh, pertinences. They serve the altar, and just like the mizbeach itself is a permanent fixed structure, and can be and the temp- temple maintenance funds are used for that. Bedekabait. So too the vessels that go along with the mizbeach are also paid for by bedekabbait maintenance funds. That's one side. Or, or are these vessels needed for the um, so for the sacrifices. and just like the sacrifices are paid for from Machasita Shekel that's kept in this in this uh, chamber. So, too, these vessels that we need, that we're going to put the korbanot in the vessels, in the blood, collect the blood in the vessels. So, therefore, they are appurtenances to the korbanot, and we pay for it from machasita shekel. That's the question. halishka? Uh, and so, Rav answers, we only use mitramat halishka funds. The vessels are connected with the korbanot. Okay, from machasita shekel. All right, Rav says, wait a second, I have a challenge to that, to that from this past following pasuk, Divrei Yamim, itibeh uchal lo tam hebiul difne haMelach v'yohayada haKohen. The word haKohen is not in the original pasuk. Et shadap pekesef ayasehu kelim. The bet Adonai Kele sharet. In the time of Yohayada, who was the, uh, the uh, um uh, who was the the Kohen, um there were people that were uh, working on the maintenance of the bet hamikdash, and they brought before the king and Yohayada the the um, the rest the leftover um that they raised a certain amount of money for the maintenance and they had surplus it's never happened since that there's a surplus of uh, building funds I've never heard that happen but I guess in the Beit HaMikdash, um, they had so much, so what did they do with the surplus? And so they used it for the temple vessels. So here you go, this is Bet Hakabayit funds for the maintenance of the Bet HaMikdash and the surplus of it, they actually did use for vessels. So this seems to uh, support using Beta Hakabayit and not Tirumata Dishka funds, right? And Rav said, no, we only use Tirumata Dishka funds and not so how is he gonna answer that? Amar Amarle de Akriach kitube la akriyah nevi e ach lo yeahse bet adonai si potvigomer kilo Yitenuhu. So, Rav tells his students that uh, student, Una, the one who taught you Kitubim obviously did not teach you Nivim because here's another Pasuk in Sefer, Mel- Sefer Melachim that says, but there, uh, there were not made for the house of God uh, cups of vessels, sniffers, all these items, uh, vessels of gold and silver, of the money that was brought in for Hashem, for they gave that to those who did the work. In other words, this money that they, um, that they uh, raised for maintenance, was uh, used to pay the workers and was not used for temple vessels. So you see, the says, look, I have a pasuk from Nevi'im that's better than your pasuk in Ketuvim. All right, now that we have this, uh, these two pasukim, we ask, These two verses themselves seem to contradict each other. How are we going to, you know, before we... um? solve the, the problem of what the rabbis say, these two pesukim have to be resolved. Lakasha, vehotiru, Okay, that depends on if there was extra. Um, if you, they collected and there was extra funds, uh, that is a pasuka uh, here in kitubim she'ad hakesif, so there was a little extra left over. In that case, you can use bedekabayit funds. If there's extra, you can use it for vessels. Whereas a pasuk in, Lachim said, no, there was not extra in that case. And that's why they had to make sure to give all of the money to the workers, because it was raised for maintenance, has to be used for maintenance. And uh, one could not use it for anything else. Um, So that's how um, we can resolve the two pesukim. Now we ask, Wait a second, even if there is extra, if if they uh, collected the money for the purpose of the temple maintenance, how could they go ahead and use it for something else? So, Rabbi Abu explains that, even if they don't say it explicitly, it's implied that there's an implied condition. That if, look, we're going to collect this money, if it's needed for the maintenance, we're going to use it all for the maintenance, not for anything else. But if not, if there is extra, then we can use it for temple vessels. Okay good so we have um the pisukim can be in fact be uh be coordinated with each other now we have another B'raita um on this very ta- very subject tana Debe debi ishmael Ba'in halishka so this would support rav who says that the Rabbi Ishmael is um uh, is Rabbi Ishmael's opinion is supporting Rav that temple vessels can come do do come from the Machasit Shekel, and as you know, Et Hakesef Shiraim and interestingly, he's using this very pasuk that was used here before to challenge Rav, right, this is the pasuk from the Ramim that Rav Hunai used to challenge Rav because it is, was talking about Bedeh HaBayit is actually used as a proof now for Rav and for Bishmael Ishmael that says how are they proving that? Even though the context of the pasuk is talking about maintenance but the word She'ar HaKesef the surplus funds what does it mean? Where, where where do we find money that has a surplus? That is the machasita Shekel funds. Why? Because Mahasita Shekel, you have to collect it every um, Nisan. Whatever you collect, you have to use that year. Once Rosh Hodesh Nisan comes, the, all, all the money of the previous year cannot be used any longer for. The for buying uh, korban Sibur. so all it all of that is going to necessarily be surplus. So when it says Shara Kesef it must be talking about machasit shekel because that's what necessarily has a surplus. Unlike building funds, where usually it's not going to have a surplus. So that's why the actually proves from this very pasuk. That, um, that we use machasita Shekel funds for the temple vessels and that this now we know how, how Rav would explain both of those those pisukim. Okay, now we ask, hold on, how do you know we're talking about the Mahasita sheker funds um, uh, and uh, the Mahasita HaSheker funds themselves, that which we take out, which we collect from that chamber, maybe is talking about only the leftovers. So now we're distinguishing between... The, when the when people gave the machasita shekel funds, they were put in the chamber. Now every so often they would bring baskets and fill up the baskets with machasita shekel funds and use that and take it out. So there is machasita shekel that's as, actually designated for korbanot, and then there's the leftover that's still left in the chamber that was never removed. So Rabbi Ishmael sounds like he was talking about lishka, that which was drawn out in the baskets. That they didn't use for Korbanot. Um, We had some extra, so he says we use that for the temple vessels. But now we're asking maybe it's talking about the Machasita Shekel funds in the chamber that were never put in baskets, but just remained in the chamber ha right so how do why don't you say that and the answer is ha we're not going to say that even though it says ha which just that does sound like the the surplus it sounds like it's what's left over in the chamber, but not so because of the Yidiah here, just like Rava said regarding ha olah. Is, and doesn't say which Ola it is. He says the Ola. That means that the Qurban Tamid is, is referring to Qurban Tamid. Why does it say Ha Ola? To say that it is first. The Qurban Tamid always has to be the first during the day. So too Ha Kesef is talking about the first Kesef, meaning the money that is removed from the chamber first. Um, that will be used for the vessels. So, in fact, it is talking about the there's two different surpluses, the surplus that's in the baskets that we didn't use for korbanot and not the surplus that is left in the chamber. Okay, so that is opinion of Rabbi Ishmael. And now we, Rabbi Ishmael and Rav, have their support and we understand temple vessels are used from machasita shekel funds that were a surplus in the basket challenge to this. Okay, but I going to go on, but let's explain first that uh, we, uh, the, 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 uh, to paying for the ketoret and all korbanot zibor, all public uh, sacrifices like korban tamid, from that, that we use that which we draw from machazit shekel drawn from the uh, chamber in the baskets, um, whereas uh, the, the golden ark, right, the, that's Mizbacha Ketoret, is interestingly not attached to the ground, so it's not considered part of the structure of the Bet mikdash, and you don't pay for it from Bede Kabait, but rather, what we're going to see as follows, so Mizbacha Zahav, and also the Levona, the frankincense that was placed, put together with the 12 loaves, um in on the shulchan and also temple vessels that's what we need all are coming from another source we haven't discussed yet but rather um, extra money that was used for uh, to buy ingredients like flour oil uh, uh wine Anything left over from that from that flour uh, would be used for these purposes. So now we see Klesharet were actually paid for by the extra flour, extra extra nesachim. Um, so this is going to be a challenge to what a above. But we go on also and say ba'in bedek ha-bayit. So to upkeep the mizbeach, the large mizbeach outdoors for korbanot. And also the chambers and the uh, de- various courtyards, upkeeping those. That's bedekabait, the upkeep maintenance fund. But the outer wall of the bet not itself part of the bet um, that comes from the what remains in the in the in the chamber in the Machasita Shekel chamber, um, is used for the outer walls. And this supports that which we learned that the city, the wall of the city of Jerusalem and its towers and all the other things that are necessary in the city of Jerusalem also would be paid for from the remainder of Machasita Shekel that was still left in the chamber and not taken out. In the baskets. Okay, so now we have a contradiction. Are we going to use uh, for the vessels? Are we going to use the machazita shekel? Or are we going to use the nesachim, the extra flour? Tana'ehi, it's a machloket tana'im, in fact. And here's a Mishnah in Masechet Shekalim that's going to bring several opinions. Tana'ditanan. What do we do with the extra machasita shekel The first opinion is that we use it for gold plating of the walls and floors of the Kodesh Kodeshim. Okay, we beautify it even though hardly anyone can see it. that's the same opinion as we saw in the bright above who also agrees with rav says that the extra produce we're going to see what that is in a minute so hold on to that but the extra funds from the sale of produce was used for ketza mizbeach, meaning the, the dessert on the mizbeach. Whenever the mizbeach was idle, there was no one bringing korbanot. We didn't want to just sit there idly. So we would go and bring extra korbanot to keep the mizbeach busy and beautify it. Um, uh, and here, here it is, mm-hmm. the extra machasit shekel that goes to temple vessels. So that's the Bishmel's opinion as above, and that's uh, mentioned in this Mishnah as well. Rabbi Akiva, however, Omer, Motat Lichle Sharet. The extra funds, that's what we use for added korbanot, uh, for the, the dessert korbanot while, the, while it's idle. And the extra uh, flour that for libations, that is used for temple vessels. So we see that the Braita that we cited here to challenge Rabbi Ishmael is in fact the, the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. So that's how we explain the difference between those two baraitot above. One is Bishmel, one is the Biakiva. Another opinion: the Bi Sechanina Segan Koanim Ne Le He switches around the two of the Biakiva, and he says, in fact, that. The extra flour is for the dessert of the Mizbeach, whereas the extra Machasit shekel that goes to the um, the temple vessels. So in that disregard, he agrees with, uh, regarding the vessels, he agrees with Rabbi Shmael. Okay, V'zeh, V'zeh, Lo modim be but both Rabbi Akiba and Rabbi Chanina, Segan Kohanim disagree with Rabbi Shmael regarding the produce. All right, let's see what the produce is. M'Perot, mayhi. So, in this, it explains that the extra Mahasita shekel funds, what would they do with it? They would buy uh, produce at a cheap price and then they would sell it at an expensive price. So, in other words, the beta was able to invest it and buy low, sell high. And then with the, um, with the profit that they made, they would buy extra korbanot for the dessert of the Mizbeach. And that's why it says above the extra from perot would go to the dessert of the Mizbeach. That was the opinion of the Bishmael right here. Um, and uh, that's the that's what Rabbi Akiva and um Rabbi uh Segano both disagree with Rabbi with Rabbi Ishmael um, and they think that uh, you do not you, you do not do the perot, You do not sell the perot. Okay. Now why do they say that they both disagree? Here's the source of it in the Mishnah, Ditnan Motashia Delishka ba Lochin Behen Yenot, Shimmanim Ustatot, Vasakal Hekdesh, Tibre Bishmael Beakivaomed and Mishtakirin, Beshelekdesh, after the lo Beshel Aniim. So here in this Mishnah, we see explicitly the machloket regarding the produce that according to the Bishmael, the extra uh the extra funds that were in the chamber, uh they would buy with it uh wine and oil and flour and the um the the uh, and then that people that they the bet could sell that uh for a profit to uh people that would come and they wanted to make um uh mincha uh, um and so and the the profit would go to hikdesh for other um for other uses that is opinion of de Ishmael, but the beqba says no we do not benefit we do not the bet does not profit from something that is consecrated property and also property uh uh, funds that were collected for the poor we do not invest and uh and make a profit on here we see the reasoning would be akiva that he does not want to um, uh, he does not want to benefit. He does not think it's uh, it's permitted to benefit to uh, in to invest and get gain a profit from these items that were all donated items. Let's see the reasoning for the biakiva because there is no poverty in a place of wealth. And those is a place of wealth. And if you have to uh, if you have to take a little and make it go for a long time, uh, then that's why you invest. I have a little money but I really need to buy something expensive. You know what, I'm going to invest it and maybe I'll make a profit and with a profit I could buy something. But if someone is super wealthy, then they don't need to invest. And so the betamikdash, we don't want it to, uh, there to be uh, an aura of it's uh, that they're impoverished. Oh look, they need to go and make investments to make more money. And so that's, uh, that's why it's not um, honorable. Uh, for the Beit HaMikdash funds. And how come we don't invest money that was collected to give to the poor? Because maybe a poor person will come. To, um, uh, to ask for money because they need help, and then we're not going to have anything to give them because it's all invested in some business. Uh, rather, the communal funds for the poor have to be liquid so that any time a poor person comes, they will be available for them to take. And so that is the reason behind the machloket between Rabbi Ishmael and Rabbi Akiva. Baruch Adonai Olam, Amen v'amen.